This is special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Don Marsh, and good evening. Just moments from now, Missouri's 57th governor will be sworn in in Jefferson City. Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson will take the oath of office following this week's resignation of a beleaguered Eric Greitens, who, since January, has faced scandals involving sexual infidelity and political impropriety. His resignation became effective some 20 minutes ago. Our reporters Jason Rosenbaum and Marshall Griffin are on the scene in Jefferson City. With me in studio are political reporter Joe Manis and Terry Jones, Professor Emeritus of Political Science and Public Policy Administration at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Our network stations of KMST in Rolla and WQUB in Quincy, as well as public radio stations KCUR in Kansas City, KBIA in Columbia, and KSMU in Springfield are joining us for this statewide broadcast. We welcome you all. As I mentioned, our State House reporter, Marshall Griffin, Marshall Griffin, that is, is standing by in Jefferson City. Let's go to him and find out if everything's on track. Is it, Marshall? It is on track. Uh, there are dozens of reporters uh, crowded into the governor's office at this moment, uh, waiting for uh, Mike Parson to enter the room and take the oath of office. And he's going to do that at precisely 5.30. Are we sure everything's on schedule? Marshall? Oh, we just we just lost Marshall. Well, we have to assume, Joe Manis and yeah. Terry Jones, that things are going as they're supposed to be, except for our connection <laughs> to Marshall Griffin. In any case, I'm here, uh, if you can hear me. Yeah, well, we can hear you now. Uh, okay. Yeah, everything is supposed to be on schedule, the 5.30 sharp swearing in. Is that uh, your understanding? That's, that is our understanding, not 5.31 or 5.32, because we specifically asked about that, and they said no, he will be sworn in ex- at exactly 5.30 p.m. on the dot. Who is going to be administering the oath? Uh, it'll be uh, Supreme Court Judge uh, Mary Russell. She's a, uh, She took a turn as a Chief Justice a few years back, and uh, she's been on the uh, Supreme Court for several years. And uh, she's also, by the way, a, uh, a regular listener to St. Louis Public Radio, so um, that we have that going for us. Well, of course she is. Well, so we're certainly glad to hear that. Can we anticipate any remarks from uh, Mr. Parson? Uh, we haven't been told that, but I would be surprised if there's not. I mean, it's a, the, the way the room is set up, my, my guess is, he will probably make a, a brief address and then uh, leave it at that. No, no word if there will be ac- any actual questions taken. My, I'm expecting for there just to be a brief statement. Have you talked to him at all today? Uh, I have not, but uh, we, did, uh, we did acquire an interview with him um, earlier today. Uh, he did say that um, after he uh, becomes governor, he does have plans to, uh, to return to, uh, to Polk County and uh, return to the farm and actually do some work on his farm this weekend. He said that's, that's the plan. Uh, the First Lady, uh, Teresa Parson, uh, said that she earlier uh, today talked to Sheena Greitens, who told her that they were almost finished uh, getting things packed up in the governor's mansion and uh, and getting everything out, but that probably not everything will be out of there uh, until tomorrow. Well, earlier today, the lieutenant governor was uh, was commenting about how hectic these last couple of days have been for him. Teresa Parson also said that they've hardly gotten any sleep this week. You're talking about where people normally have 60 days or 90 days to somewhat get an idea of that transition period. We're doing it in two or three days. But you know what? There's been a lot of good people across the state of Missouri that's reached out, uh, actually from both sides of the aisle, to say, hey, whatever I can do to help, we will. And that's past governors, past chief of staffs have all reached out to offer to help us with this transition. And I, and I truly appreciate that we do, because it is a daunting task in two or three days to prepare to be the governor of the state of Missouri. 
Yes, that's Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson commenting on the what the last couple of days have been like for him. Marshall, anything you want to add as we await uh, the swearing-in? Uh, just that uh, th- this is a, a rather historic moment, but it's also uh, rather somber, and that was the, the tone, actually, during the worship service earlier today, that uh, even though they're uh, grateful and say that they're grateful and celebrating uh, Mike Parson's ascension to the governor's office, that they should not forget the circumstances as to why he's becoming governor. Just a, a technical question, I guess, and that is, uh, during the last 30 minutes, who's in charge down there? Well, um, actually, Mike Parson, uh, he's, I guess, according to the Missouri Constitution, uh, he has been acting governor since uh, Eric Greitens stepped down. So um, I suppose the, the, the word acting is about to be removed from, um, from the, the Mike Parson's current job title. Well, it's all going to be happening in four and a half minutes. Uh, we're able to see the uh, scene there now. And all we see is an empty lectern. So that, that will change, I'm sure, very, very quickly. Marshall, thank you. We'll talk to you later, I suspect. Thank you very much. Terry Jones, what do you make of all of this? We haven't talked to you since all of this started. Well, everybody is yearning for normalcy, including having the uh, inauguration happen right on time. Um, the, we're not going to see much of a change in policy substance in Jefferson City, but there'll be enormous difference in tone and rhetoric. And so instead of having a governor and a legislature who have ne- don't get along with what, each other, and it's been the worst that I've ever seen in my 40-plus years of observing Missouri politics, we're going to have probably the closest camaraderie uh, in recent memories. Joe, why don't you comment on that? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, Mike Parson is an insider. Um, He served in the State House, served in the State Senate, has close, amiable ties to many of the leaders. At least they know each other, understand each other. He's also somewhat pragmatic. I think people forget that he initially ran for governor in 2016. But he dropped out early on and shifted to lieutenant governor because he figured out by looking at the field that his chances weren't good. My point being that he is somewhat self-aware. It's like, nah, I'm going to do that. Well, now he he is going to be governor, which is what he initially wanted a couple years ago. But I think it shows that he's a very pragmatic sort. So um, I think he will definitely get along much better with the General Assembly, and we won't see all this drama. Of course, we also won't see him, I doubt if we'll see him flying around the country like Gary Greitens used to do. And while the timing is something of a surprise uh, in terms of two days, the fact is um, Mike Parson knows that the odds of his becoming governor have been quite high now for the past two-plus months. So he's had some time internally in his own mind to think it through. Yeah, because he has several policy changes that he wants to make right away. Uh, immediately he's going to try to help get everything straight with at the State Board of Education, get new members on board so they can meet. This sort of kills uh, Greitens' effort like to do more with vouchers, to do more with charter schools, some of the things that he wanted to do. Uh, uh, Parson is much more attuned with the superintendents around the state and, you know, the rural, I mean— uh, community where a lot of this is not popular. So he's got several pragmatic things he wants to do from the get-go to kind of lower the tension, lower the rhetoric on a number of fronts. There's some stirring in the office right now, looking like something's going to happen very soon. Uh, Terry, in just a few seconds, uh, you mentioned the legislature and the way they'll probably get along. The legislators have to be relieved that this thing is over. 
very relieved, although they've been in control and they were able to do their will and not have to worry all that much about the governor in this last session. But yes, it's going to be much more comfortable life in Jefferson City, a normal life than it has been the last year and a half. It's going to make a difference having someone, Joe, with political experience uh, move into that office. Oh, yeah. And I think that the, I mean, Greitens signed almost 80 bills today, but they're still close to 70 sitting out there. So that's going to be up to Parson to decide what to do with some of them. These are bills that passed. Um, so Parson's going to have his plate full from the get-go. But, yeah, I think a lot of the lawmakers are going to be very relaxed. Josh Hawley, the Missouri Attorney General, who's running for the U.S. Senate, is obviously extremely relaxed and already is attacking Claire McCaskill, saying she can't use Greitens against him anymore. Well, it's a few seconds after uh, 5.30, and once again, we're staring at an empty lectern. We expect that uh, Mike Parson will be coming out almost any second and try to meet that schedule as closely as he can. But as of this moment, uh, that has not uh, that has not happened. Terry, uh, I'll, I'll put that same idea to you, the idea of uh, someone with politi- political, political experience um, uh, moving into that office now. Greitens, of course, had none. It had none, and we've had the typical situation where the governor has been a member, a former member of the legislature, Governor Nixon, Governor Holden, Governor Carnahan, and, and many others. Uh, so this is, again, going to be a return to the way things have usually gone along in Missouri in terms of its governance in Jefferson City. What's to learn? What do you have to know going into that job that you couldn't get someplace else? How to build a political coalition. Well, I think it also helps if you know how state government actually runs, because then you know specifically what you want to change. Uh, I think one of Greitens' problems all through the campaign and and when he became governor is that he kept talking about changing things. If you want different, do different. He talked about throwing lawmakers down the steps of the Capitol, all this stuff. But he never really got into the weeds to know what people did or what some of these laws did or what some of these agencies did. And I think that slowed him down. And then any so he also became at odds with a lot of lawmakers early on who were like, what do you know? You know, I mean, so I think the mantra, if you want different, do different. (laughs) Sometimes can come back. I mean, he's going to have to do that going forward in his own life. And when, when they questioned him, he immediately became adversarial. Yes, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, the fights between him and prominent Republicans in the state are legendary. Yeah. Well, we'll get into more of that. I'm sure. Still, no activity where all of this is supposed to happen. Marshall, are you still there? Oh, Marshall is not not there. Well, I'm just wondering. Uh, they were so insistent that this is going to be happening with uh, some military precision, and it is not. I don't know what that means, but uh, who knows? Well, and it could be. For all we know, the, they did the swearing-in part behind closed doors, and he's coming out. Uh, I don't know. But I think, uh, I mean, rest assured, I mean, he is the acting governor already, so it's just a matter of changing his title. I think his biggest challenge will be actually building a staff, uh, immediate staff within the governor's office, because I'm assuming, if not everybody, almost everybody in the Greitens staff, not talking, I'm not talking about department heads, I'm talking about within the office right. itself, will be persona non grata. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the lieutenant governor's staff is only two or three people, cool. whereas the governor's staff is several dozen. And I think most of those people are supposed to be gone. It's interesting that when uh, then-Governor Greitens was announcing his resignation, uh, Mike Parson was on the farm. He was uh, doing chores out in the out in the back 40 or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's an interesting character. He he, um, Parson also is somewhat of a businessman. He's uh, he had been part owner of a golf course, and uh, I mean, so he's you know he. Hold on, hold on, just a second. The oath of office is being administered okay, right go. now. L. Parson. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. That I will support. I will support. the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of Missouri. And the Constitution of the State of Missouri. I will faithfully demean myself. I will faithfully demean myself. In the office of. The office of. Governor of the State of Missouri. Governor, State of Missouri. So help me God. So help me God. There it is, handshakes and hugs. Brand new governor of the state of Missouri, Mike Parson. You know, I have to wonder, watching this scene here, unfortunately you guys couldn't see it, what must his wife be thinking? Because this is going to be such an adjustment for her moving into the first lady's role. Oh, yeah, I'll take a little time. I thought it was very classy that she reached out to Sheena Greitens earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because Sheena Greitens, obviously, a lot of stuff's been thrown at her the last few mm-hmm. months. And I thought that was a classy thing for his wife to do. His wife is very savvy, too. I've met her several times. She's She know, she understands. And he used to be a sheriff. I mean, so probably being governor in some ways may not be as crazy as being a sheriff in rural Missouri. She's been married to an elected official for over 20 years. And as a former a spouse of an elected official. You, you learn on the job, and she's had ample opportunity to do just that. Joe, I interrupted you when the uh, swearing-in started to take place. We were talking about that adversarial relationship. Yeah, I mean, I'll be shocked to see that. I mean, I think in some ways, some progressive members of the General Assembly were probably hoping that Greitens would stay on because uh, Parson will be able to... I'm interrupting again because okay. uh, our new governor is prepared to speak, and Great. here he is. First of all, just let me say... Everybody that's here today, I want to thank a lot of my family and friends that are here from back home, many people across the state that I've known in my career to be here today. Public service is a privilege, and it is truly an honor to serve as Missouri's 57th governor. My pledge to all Missourians to work hard each and every day to bring honor, integrity, transparency, to the governor's office. We have an opportunity beginning today to have a fresh start in state government. I believe now is the time for Missouri to come together, to work together, and to help one another. I will always, I will always be ready and willing to listen to ideas on how state government can better position itself to serve our families and our communities. I am optimistic about the future of our great state, and I'm looking forward to the work ahead. God bless you, God bless the great state of Missouri, and God bless the United States of America. Now, Governor Mike Parson, with brief remarks following his swearing in just a couple of moments ago. And, uh, Terry, let me go to you first on this. Did you detect any kind of, oh, I don't know what exactly the word would be, but uh, taking, a sh- taking a shot at uh, Eric Greitens with some of the things he said about transparency in particular? Well, he's been very um, reluctant to and hasn't 
said anything positive about Eric Ryden since the first news uh, came out in January. Yeah. Hasn't said anything negative, but nothing positive, and that's been noticed by its absence. He's taking questions now, Terry. Let's listen to what the people in the room are we, asking. We are looking into that right now. I do believe that there is some validity in appointing the lieutenant governor. Uh, of the state of Missouri. That's the way most other offices. It needs to be cleared up. We would have liked to have got that done this year in the legislative process, but uh, we're, we're going to look into that further. And I think it is important for the state of Missouri to have a lieutenant governor, especially at a time like this, to be able to help with the governor's office and to be able to work together for the betterment of the state of Missouri. So I think that's an important position, and I think it will become a much more important position uh, and needless to say, I think the lieutenant governor is a very important role in the state of Missouri. Governor, how much healing do you believe will have to happen in Missouri? How much healing, sir? How much healing will have to happen in Missouri? Governor, how much healing do you believe will have to happen in Missouri? Governor, your predecessor had an unprecedented opportunity to enact policy change as a Republican governor with a very Republican legislature. Many people felt that he squandered that chance by not being... Um, not having a good relationship with people. How are you going to grasp that opportunity, and how are you going to avoid the pitfalls of your predecessor? You know, I, I think anything, anytime you're in a leadership position, it's about relationships. That's what makes true leaders uh, in a state, in this country. And I think building relationships, which I've got some history here in this building with the legislatures, both in the House and the Senate, on both sides of the aisle. But I think we need to build those relationships. There's many, many common grounds for the state of Missouri, such as infrastructure, such as workforce development. There's many things like that we come together. And, and my purpose for being the governor will be to try to bring people together, to try to move the state of Missouri forward for what's best for the state of Missouri. Thank you very much for having me here there. Thank you. Well, obviously, the governor is taking no more questions. He is leaving the room, as I can see here. Uh, very brief remarks. Uh, Joe, what caught your attention there? Well, it was a little chaotic. I was actually, yeah. actually surprised. I also was grateful that my colleague, Jason Rosenbaum, Jason managed to get a good, actually a good question, and it was the key point that I was trying to make. Uh, now, Parson understands the Capitol. He understands how things work. I think that his speech and, and just his, his comments made it very clear that he— uh, where he said relationships matter, you know, he gets that. He gets that, and I think you'll see less combative um, relationships with the press in the Capitol. You'll see less combative relationships with the uh, Republican lawmakers. And as I mentioned before, for some of the pro for some of the progressives in the state who are active on certain issues or are in the Capitol, in some ways. Parson may be very more successful in passing things that they don't want passed because he will avoid some of the pitfalls that um, Greitens had with getting in all these fights, because Greitens was always telling people telling people what to do instead of saying, hey, why don't we uh, talk about this? But at the end of the day, the Republican agenda to lower taxes, to tilt uh, the labor-management relations, more less, less from labor, more towards management, uh, including the, uh, at-will employees and the state government, all of that happened. Right. Despite the fact Harry Greitens was governor. So I, I don't see, again, very much of a change in policy substance, with the exception of the low-income tax credits, we can, which we can talk about later. Uh, it's It's been a Republican agenda. It's been a successful one in terms of it's getting passed. It's going to stay the same no matter whether it was Eric Greitens as governor or Mike Parson. 
Yeah, I think what'll be interesting is whether or not Parson gets involved on a political nate as far as trying to campaign for different members of the state house or senate. There's a key state senate special election next Tuesday. So some of this, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how things play out, but it'll be interesting to see if Parson tries to remove himself from some of that or gets down in the trenches. The issue of the low-income housing tax credit is something that uh, he addressed before you and Jason on the uh, Politically Speaking podcast. I don't know why I'm having trouble getting that word out today, but uh, we can hear what he had to say about that. If you go to some of these counties that are low-income, that the average income in those counties maybe are less than 30000 you know, nobody's going to come from St. Louis or Kansas City or the big cities to build these homes. And there's people in those areas that... They just can't afford to do that. So if you don't have some sort of tax incentive to help with that, nobody's coming to a town of 400 people to provide housing. Now, you can take the tough man side of that and say, okay, we're we're not going to do anything. We're just going to let them people go. The reality of it is those people in those small towns of 400 people are still there. So what are they going to do? They're going to go somewhere at the end of the day. So when we have those programs available, Uh, I just think uh, to just act like we're just going to do away with them is not a good plan. And I've said that openly. And, and, you know, and I know the question become is that I'm disagreeing with the governor, but I didn't get elected to to agree with the governor on everything he does, and I'm already not going to. Now, Governor Mike Parson talking to Joe Manis and Jason Rosenbaum on their podcast uh, earlier this year. What were your impressions of the man, Joe, as you were interviewing him? Yeah, well, I've met him before. One of the things I do like about him is he's pretty open up front. He doesn't, he says what he thinks. But hey, we were, Jason and I were listening earlier today to our podcast with Greitens of a couple couple years ago. And he made a lot of promises about transparency and all this and that. And he didn't do any of it. So the proof is in the pudding, as they say. So, um, but based on how Parson has behaved before, I think he'll be pretty upfront about what he wants to do. I think he does want to restore the uh, low-income tax credit program. He may, though, press for some changes, but I don't think he'll have the uh, go with the Greitens approach of just shut it down. Um, But again, he's starting first with the state uh, board of education and a couple other issues. Then I think he'll come back to that in maybe a few months or weeks. And I think it would be a mistake for him to get sidetracked on this lieutenant governor issue, although that's the one he mentioned in his response to the questions. Um, the fact of the matter is originally the only role of a lieutenant governor is to wait for the governor to be incapacitated. There's all other options for substitutes already in the law, and that could get him into some political squabbles that are unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, because they're already talking about, like, Mike Senator Mike Kehoe or somebody else, you know, putting in that. Well, he's already one of the Senate leaders, may end up being the Senate leader, and that Senate leader is, like, the next in line anyway. So why mess with it. We can bring Jason Rosenbaum uh, into the conversation. He is with us now. Jason, uh, your impressions of what's just been happening? Oh, there's a lot of reporters there, um, which is becoming kind of commonplace in Missouri politics. But I was, I was just grateful to have witnessed this, this moment of history, you know, along with Marshall Griffin and um, a lot of other people as well. And I, I said on the podcast, that we recorded right before I started uh, barreling to Jefferson City that, you know, there, there, there comes a point in, in, in the, during this entire saga where it had to end at a certain point and Missouri had to return to some sort of normalcy or normality of discourse 
um, because I felt like it was unsustainable. So what I think uh, now Governor Parsons' biggest potential accomplishment could be is resetting what has been just a vicious discourse over the last few months and even years. And it may be helpful that I don't think that anyone is expecting him to run for the U.S. Senate or president or vice president. I think people are expecting him to be governor of Missouri, which is a change from what we've seen in, in, in recent years and decades. And we'll have to see if he's able, he's able to change the tone and build the relationships that Crichton's wasn't able to build. Is there any sense that the tone has already changed? It's, it's early. You know, I, I remember I wrote in November 2016 about how Greitens had the unprecedented opportunity to be the most uh, effective and consequential Republican governor in Missouri history. And, and a year and a half later, he's out of office. He did accomplish some things, but he could have accomplished a lot more if he was able to build the relationships that Governor Parson talked about uh, in the answer to my question. So... It's going to be not only up to Governor Parson to, to, to change the tone, but I think it's also going to be up to Republicans that want a lot of things done um, to, and also Democrats that want to be part of the process uh, to make sure that it's more about issues now instead of personalities as it has been in the past. Did you sense uh, during his remarks and later that uh, he was being – somewhat critical of uh, Governor Greitens with some of the things he had to say? I think, I, I don't know. Um, I think that he was just acknowledging the obvious. The last five months or so have been exhausting for the state and that a lot of the things that Governor Greitens did in his administration, um, for, for whatever reason, were, were, were definitely breaking longstanding precedents. Some of them some of them may have been worth doing, but others like, you know, not talking to reporters a lot are not providing a lot of insight into how his campaign was being funded. And just his rhetoric that was kind of bellicose against lawmakers of his own party. Uh, I, I think that Parson most likely realizes that that's part of the, the, the vicious tone I was kind of alluding to earlier. And it's not sustainable for his party, but it's also just not conducive to, to moving the state forward, a state that has immense challenges with poverty, with, with racial divides, with transportation infrastructure, with, with education and, and schools that are struggling. I, I, I've, I've known now Governor Parson for a while. Joe's known him for a while. I think that he's serious about dealing with those issues head on. And I also think that even though he's a rural politician, I do think that he understands a need to reach out to places like St. Louis and Kansas City and, and, and try to, to be a bridge to bring some worthy policies both of those, both of those places way. Another contributing factor to a more civil discourse is the way in which the Republicans in the legislature, a majority of them, and certainly the leadership, handled all of this. They did not go tribal. They did not defend their governor right or wrong because he's a Republican. They did form an a committee to investigate. Uh, they re did reach out to Democrats in that process. So they scored a lot of positive points in terms of bipartisanship with Democrats in the General Assembly. Yeah, I mean, part of it was because the Greitens had 
upset so many people right. at, within his own party. And some of that, we don't know if some of this is going to just end. I mean, the, uh, they're still seeking the financial records from his nonprofit that it was used to collect millions from unknown donors. Allegedly, there may be an effort to continue that. Mm-hmm. That or, So I'll be curious to see if they continue pushing that or if they just kind of drop it. And uh, many people expect Parson to say something about it, about whether or not he's going to make sure that there's transparency uh, in campaign donations. And see, because there's a split within his party on that. I mean, there's some people who like Greitens' approach, even though they didn't like other things. Well, you have them on the record, once again, from your podcast, talking about the issue of dark money, which is something that we've been hearing a lot about in recent months. And we can listen to what he had to say about that, although he said it a little over a year ago. Yes. Elections should be about your accomplishments. What have you done to qualify you for the position, and why are you qualified to run? But anymore, it's got into such negative campaigning, the dark money, uh, the things that are involved in politics right now that, that, uh, you know— I'm tired of, uh, frankly, and I think there's a better path. It's okay for somebody to show the difference on my voting record. It's open. Anything I've done in my past that's public, I think that's open. But uh, we're, we're, the money is so big in this state anymore. You've got a lot of consultants across this state that are in this for the money side of it, uh, not in it for the right reasons, and, and, and frankly, on the Republican side of things. Uh, each year goes by, and we almost destroy one another in primaries. And, and there's nothing left by the time you go into the general elections. And if we don't change that way, if we really don't change the way we conduct ourselves uh, as political leaders, um, then I, I don't think it's a, a good future for us. I, I really don't. So I think it's important that, that we maintain some integrity and some honor in what we do. Mike Parson talking about dark money. It occurs to me that there are so many people uh, in the state of Missouri who don't know this guy. I mean, he's been lieutenant governor, even though a public servant for a long time. Many people don't know him. But we have an opportunity here, I think, to get to know him just a little bit better. It's probably a little unusual for most politicians that uh, where I started from, but uh, my, my parents were true farmers. Uh, milk cows, hogs, chickens, and a big garden. And uh, growing up as a kid... Uh, you hauled hay in a small town of Wheatland, Missouri, 356 people. Uh, you hauled hay. I remember me and my brother actually walked down the side of the road. We lived three miles outside of town, and you'd actually walk down the road, and you'd pick up pop bottles at the time because you could sell pop bottles for a deposit. Uh, we didn't have much back then, but, in the, but on the other hand, we had everything. My mom and dad were married 63 years. They lived the life they wanted to live. And uh, so I wouldn't trade how I grew up for anything. Uh, one of the things I always like to tell you, and I don't tell you this to feel sorry for me because that, that's the last thing I want, but when school year started, you got two pair of Levi's and a new pair of tennis shoes, and that's pretty well what you did for the rest of the year. So uh, much has changed since then. Uh, but I, I, like I said, I wouldn't trade that upbringing for anything. And my, my parents were just good, good people and uh, give me, got me on the right track. I probably got off the right track a couple of times, but anyhow, they did a good job getting me prepared. And really one of the first times I left uh, Missouri was in the United States Army when I was 19 years old. I joined the military and 
got sent to Germany uh, right off the bat. And I remember when they gave me my orders for 21st Replacement Division, I remember I had to go back to the barracks and say, get on the world globe and say, now exactly where is Germany at? So uh, I went over there and I spent three years over there. And really, I was in the military police corps. So therefore, my law enforcement career started, worked my way into the military police, the criminal investigation division of the Army, re-enlisted, uh, a second tour of duty in the Army. And then when I come back home, uh, uh, I, I got back in law enforcement, but let me go back to one thing that, that does have a, a special part in my career. When I was 15 years old, I started working in gas stations. Okay. I started fixing tires and washing windows, and I guess maybe before child labor laws, that if they were there, we didn't know about them. Uh, I'll just put it that way, but I started working when I was 15. Uh, and uh, when I got back out of the military, uh, I was an investigator for the sheriff's office, and all of a sudden another gas station come open, and I bought a gas station and another gas station and got married, two kids uh, later, and uh, I was in small business for uh, many years where we kind of did very well. My How many life. gas stations did you end up having? Two, two okay. at the time, very, uh, one of them pretty good size uh, at the time that we had a record service, a muffler shop. Uh, we, we just did all the hard work, but I enjoyed that. Uh, I really did. I met a lot of people during that time. Now, at that time, my law enforcement ground, background was pretty extensive in the military. I got to go to some of the FBI training, uh, Department of Justice, and the old sheriff retired back home, and he says, hey, do you want to run for sheriff? So uh, I said yes after I had a lengthy discussion with my family uh, to say what it paid. That took a little while to get over that. Because <laughs> the time, <laughs> my understanding, we had Caleb Jones on the show, and his dad, Kenny Jones, was obviously the Montauk County Sheriff. And I got a sense that that job does not pay very well in rural parts of the state. Well, I'll tell you, it took a couple of days at least, uh, and my wife's here kind of sitting in the other room today, but to kind of convince her that this was uh, uh, what I wanted to do. It wasn't a smart decision, because at the time, the Sheriff of Polk County paid $22,000. Wow. Uh, I can remember that, and we were making substantial more. But, uh, you know, it was an opportunity for me to uh, bring what I had learned in the military and a professional career to a sheriff's office. It was it was a lot like a country boy sheriff's office, and I wanted to change it. I, I wanted to make it into a first-class And when was this, by the way? 1993. Okay, 1993 continue. is continue. when I had when I, I done that. So. I'd done that uh, for 12 years as a Polk County Sheriff. Uh, Were you allowed to keep your gas stations? Uh, I had them for a while, I, and, and we farmed all my life. I've always had cattle So you did that while you were still being I sheriff? I did. I did for, uh, for a while, and then I started selling the gas station portion of it and left the shop. Uh, you know, by the time I had the farm and I was the sheriff and I was trying to do a, a small business at the same time, it was problematic. And my wife, uh, she had spent 40 years in the banking industry, just retired a couple of weeks okay. ago. So it was pretty demanding at the time. But at the time, you're young and you feel like you can do a lot of things. Uh, so I did. But uh, when, when I got rid of the gas stations and, and went to the sheriff's office, and then fortunately after that, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do when I left the sheriff's office. I already announced I wasn't going to run again. And then the state rep uh, kind of come open, and, and I ran for the state rep. And I've been fortunate enough to run for the Mike Parson. Once again, from the Politically Speaking podcast with Jason yeah. and Joe. Terry Jones, uh, sounds like an easy guy to like. He is. I've had the pleasure of meeting him on a couple of occasions. Uh, thank Mayberry. Thank Andy Griffith. In uh, fact, I was just going to uh, say we, that. He's the Missouri version of that. And I say that in a very positive way. Positive way. He's, it'll be a, a very helpful for our state to have him as an antidote to the illnesses that we've suffered through the last 18 months. That is, a, is something that I wanted to take to you, too, before we left. Uh, what what kind of damage do you think has been done to the state's reputation as a result of the last uh, four or five months? 
Well, other states have had similar instances, like in Alabama or South Carolina. So it, it passes, but it's not a good thing to have your state in national media with negative connotations about the competency of its leadership and the morality and the ethical character behavior of its leadership. Jason Rosenbaum, uh, we only have a minute or two left. Uh, what is the future going to be like for Eric Greitens, do you think? I, I don't think it'll be in Missouri politics. Huh. My, my, my hope for him is, you know, he has two kids that are similar age as I am. Um, I hope that he spends the next few weeks, months, and years um, being the best father that he can be for those two kids. I'm certainly trying to do that myself. It's been, frankly, a challenge, given covering the story. But I, I said from January, like, if he wanted to stay as governor, he could. But I think that for, for many people who are in the, the busy world of politics, family sometimes gets kind of as an afterthought. I don't think that's the case for him. But I think if I had to give him some advice, that would be what I would focus my energy on, not running for anything anymore. And I'm sure he'll pop up in some form or fashion somewhere else. In 10 seconds, Joe. Yeah, I think he may write another book. And I remember his campaign theme, if you want different, do different. Now it's time for Greitens to do different. Joe Mattis, I want to thank you for being with us. Terry Jones, thank you for being a part of this broadcast. Jason Rosenbaum, of course, we thank you. And Marshall Griffin, well, Marshall Griffin as well. And I want to thank the listening audience uh, for joining us for this special coverage of Mike Parson being sworn in as the 57th governor of the state of Missouri. Thanks to our partners at KCUR in Kansas City, KBIA in Columbia, and KSMU in Springfield. And to Five in Your Side, KSDK Television in St. Louis for assistance with our audio coverage today. This has been special coverage from St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.